Giving Credit is a podcast giving those making a difference their credit. On a weekly basis, we'll be interviewing parents, tech CEOs, financial experts, kid entrepreneurs, and others to learn about credit, education, financial literacy, and building wealth equity. Thanks for joining us. I'm so excited on this week's edition to welcome Rita Hicks, who is a mom boss, an entrepreneur, and a lawyer, and uh, has a lot of great things I'm sure she's going to share with us today. So Rita, thank you for coming on the show, and welcome to Giving Credit. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So before we get into the nitty gritty and the questions about finance and credit and all that fun stuff, I'd love for you to tell our audience a little bit more about you and all of the roles and hats that you wear. Absolutely. So I am what is uh, sometimes referred to as a third shift entrepreneur, meaning I have a day job and I also run a business. In my day job, I am an attorney, been practicing for about 16 years, and I work in legal finance, um, which means I am looking at all kinds of claims, usually commercial claims between businesses to figure out where I might be able to deploy capital to help a business protect their rights against a larger business that's maybe trying to encroach on their trademarks or their patents or things like that. Um, and that's really fun because it lets me sort of be the good guy in that whole David and Goliath story. Mm. I also have my own business and it is a um, tech startup. It's a marketplace where businesses that have space can make it available for other businesses to borrow for day rental to be able to have everything from pop-up yoga to uh, big customer events to meetings and everything in between, you name it. And that company is called Gotspot. Um, and then in addition to those things, I'm also uh, a mom of two. I have a four-year-old daughter, an 11-year-old son, who's now in middle school and comes with his own giant calendar of things. <laughs> so I spend a lot of plates. Absolutely, you do. And I, you know, I've always known you're a lawyer, but I didn't know that that's what you did. And that's so fascinating. Yeah, it's really fun. I actually just started working in legal finance in the last year before that, I spent like 10 years in complex commercial litigation. And then I was in-house at a global logistics company for about six. So I have seen the big headache that comes with trying to figure out how to wisely use resources to pursue claims. And now I get to augment those resources where I think the claims make a lot of sense and would be helpful in the market. So I think that will also play really well into our discussion today. Um, before we get into questions that deal with business and finance uh, in terms of business, would you like to share, would you be willing to share your finance and credit story, what you learned growing up, if you learned about finance growing up, and how that shaped who you are today? Absolutely. So I, um, I grew up in a very typical blue-collar West Texas household. My dad was an electrician. He married my mom right out of high school. She was primarily a homemaker until I was um, 10 years old. And um, so I, it, it, at that point, my, my father unfortunately passed away. And then my mom um, was went back to school, got a job, and, and she did a lot of substitute teaching when I was growing up. So 
I was aware that we basically ran a household on a shoestring, mm-hmm. um, but I wouldn't say that there was any kind of conversation when I was growing up about financial literacy. I mean, I had a job in high school, but I went to college really knowing very little about personal finance um, beyond how to use a checking account um, and, and a register back when that was a thing, the paper register. Oh. <laughs> um, so then I get to UT and, um, you know, every every other turn you take on a college campus, there are people offering credit cards and all of these things. And I took out a, a couple of those. And I what I lacked, though, was an understanding of the implications of credit or the discipline necessary to think about the ability to pay more than just minimums. So I probably spent way more than I should have in college. And, you know, I stayed afloat, but it wasn't until I got to law school, actually, and was with people um, who started with me who had a finance background, who it was just part of their conversation, financial literacy and saving and all of these things. And that's when it I was like, oh goodness, <laughs> I've been doing this wrong and I have credit card debt that I have to deal with and I have student loans I'm going to have to take out to finish this education and all of these different things. And um, it was a little bit of a pit to have to work my way out of the combination of credit debt and student loan debt. And it was hard at first, even though you know my first professional job was as a first year lawyer at a time when the salary associated with that job was quite good. It still took a long time to dig out to the place where I could get a decent home loan because I had taken on so much debt before that. So, um, you know, that that's, you know, in the rear view, obviously been very careful about establishing good credit and paying down um, things that are high interest. And we have these conversations openly in my home, my 11 year old um, has more financial literacy than I did at 20 because I want my kids to understand you have to be very wise in the decisions that you make about money. Absolutely. I, it's so interesting. I think most people's credit journeys really do start with that first credit card in college. Um, and we never understand the repercussions of those until it's too late. That's right. Well, and even just, you know, understanding that that, um, that, uh, promotional APR that they're offering you yeah. is going to quadruple if you don't get that credit card paid off before that timeline runs out. And that sort of compounding interest, oh, it will eat you alive. And it's just not even something that unless you're reading the fine print, it's not something you're paying attention to um, at, at most ages, but particularly when you're young and first getting out and doing adulting things. Yeah, adulting. <laughs> <laughs> So as you started learning about credit and, fi- and finding out, you know, more about how to use finance and credit, how did that change or what aha moments did you have when you then pivoted to start your own business on top of your day job? Well, for one thing, it's, it's so interesting because the typical startup narrative involves kids starting some idea in college in someone's garage. and. Um, I have talked to a handful of founders like that in my own ecosystem, and it's shocking, or maybe not so shocking, um, how many of them are having the aha moment when they've already started trying to finance a business on those same credit cards. Mm. And, you know, there have been some people that have done it that way and managed to get right side up and it all worked out like that's famously part of Airbnb's story. 
Um, you know, they ran that company on credit cards until anybody else would place a bet on them. Wow. But that is pretty terrifying to me as somebody who has sort of done that digging out beforehand. I think it's so, um, I'm so thankful that entrepreneurship came to me later after I had already had some, you know, some lumps along the way, but also some great people around me to help um, educate me in financial literacy. I, you know, had a great financial advisor who talked me through the best places to put my money to make sure that I was diversified and all of these things. And um, it was some of those same people that I called when I started thinking about, you know, I, I have an idea and I don't know what, you know, whether it's going to go anywhere or not, but I want to try it. And sort of what kind of runway can I build for myself? Um, having those people that I had been working with on my personal finances to be able to call and have money conversations with was really helpful. Um, it was also helpful to reach out to other, particularly women who were further along in their business journey to ask them what, what potholes they had driven over that I could possibly avoid. And, and particularly the women um, in business around me have been so generous, helping me um, avoid the lessons they had to learn the hard way. Mm -hmm. It's really important to have those people that you can talk to and say, okay, what should I do? But also what should I avoid doing? I, I love uh, both of those pieces of advice. And I feel like what you're saying is, Surround yourself with people who know more than you do. Surround yourself with the experts who've done the work, who've gone through the pitfalls, as you said, but also the fact that you could pivot to using your financial advisors to move beyond personal into professional and get advice from them. So I, I would urge anybody listening to think about that. And if you don't have a financial advisor or somebody you can go to, look for one, whether it's through a bank, an investment firm, the Small Business Association, or another way. But that definitely getting that information ahead of time, because I can tell you, I've been a serial entrepreneur. I bootstrapped every single time. Uh, and it, I learned different things each time. And uh, it definitely is a lot harder to build up credit for your business if you don't have a solid foundation personally. Um, and it's a lot harder when, you know, when you're bootstrapping and you have to prove your model out, which I know you have experience with as well with Godspot, uh, to show the case and show why somebody should invest in you or why somebody should bet on you. That's that's 100% right. Um, it made me think of, I can't tell you how many meetings I've been in with potential partners and potential investors um, where immediately at the, you know, when you engage someone like that, they want to see by the way you're conducting your business that you have fiscal discipline, but also that you have basic financial acumen. Mm. And I mean, here's what I mean by that. So I, like you, have bootstrapped my startup. The only outside capital we've taken on so far has been through pitch competition winnings. And whenever you win a pitch competition, that's a grant. Um, it's a taxable grant. And so you have to, you know, take that money in and then immediately allocate the portion that's taxes and not spend it. Otherwise you find yourself in IRS trouble later and just showing on your books that you understand that when you bring in money, it's taxable in a specific way is kind of a threshold, you know, thing that someone is looking for to say, okay, this person is minding their P's and Q's and knows what they're doing and will be a good steward of any money that I put into a venture like this. Mm -hmm. um, and I think 
you know, it, it can be a little bit daunting when you're thinking about how do I demonstrate to potential partners or potential investors that I know what I'm doing with money. Um, that's why I think it's always good to seek outside counsel, but even just doing the really basic things really well. Like I pay my taxes. Here's how I'm allocating the money need, that I need to do that. Here's how I'm budgeting out, you know, anything that I might need by way of, um, you know, salaries or benefits or whatever those little pieces of your business are that are the minutia that, you know, can be kind of mind-numbing to deal with, but just demonstrating that you're doing that in a really disciplined way goes such a long way. Wow. You are dropping a lot of gems for our audience. So I appreciate that. I, I didn't know because I've not done pitch competitions for the kind of business that I have um, that that is taxable, but that makes sense. Like any, like any, you know, income. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's not something that I knew intuitively either, but thankfully for me, it's so funny. I, the, before I even had a platform, cause you know, it just takes some time and resources to build one when you have a tech startup, I participated in a pitch competition and the team that ran it, they did such a good job, not only of like producing a really great event, but then following up afterwards and saying, okay, here's when your money is coming. Do you know that it's taxable and you're going to get a 1099 at the end of the year and you're going to have to make sure that you've paid a certain portion of it? If not, let's talk about it. And um, it, because it was um, a part of pitch competition where one of the partners was a financial magazine. And so they just knew that someone might like me might not necessarily know <laughs> what I was getting into by winning. And, and um, you know, I think for anybody listening who does know those things and works with people for whom finance is not their first language, it's a huge kindness to just make sure somebody understands the basics when you have the opportunity to talk to someone. Yeah. So if you could give your past self advice on credit, what would you say? Well, for starters, I'd go back to that college freshman and say, okay, take out a credit card because you need to start establishing history, but don't use it unless you have to. And when you do, be sure you pay it off mm -hmm. uh, because it is so important to have a credit history, but you can get in so much trouble with the interest rates that you have to pay on, on the you know debt that you accumulate. So I think that's such an interesting paradox. It doesn't necessarily go hand in hand that, oh, you need credit cards, but don't use them unless you have to right. and pay them off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first and most important piece of information I would give to my past self. And then the other thing that I would um, tell myself is um, as to the extent you are able pay aggressively on your student loans when you get out of school. Um, because getting them out of the way quickly frees you up to do so many other things with the income that you're bringing in, not, not just, you know, saving for your own kids college, but, you know, that trip that you want to go on or that house you want to purchase. There's a whole lot of freedom that comes with eliminating debt. Um, and then the third thing I would say is save, start saving early make sure that you're saving in a couple of different places so that you have a rainy day fund, but also so that when a great opportunity presents itself, you have the resources to be able to take advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. So knowing that you have a very busy life, you have your family, you have your business, you have your day job. If you had $100,000 in your pocket today to use however you wanted, what would you do with it? Ooh, I'm sure that I don't 
think the answer would be the same for Rita, mom and wife, as it would be for Rita, founder of a startup. Um, <laughs> because startup Rita would take that money and um, and expand the business that we're doing, leverage the resources to be able to grow faster. But mom and wife Rita would put some of that money toward college. I have an 11 year old and 18 is going to be here before I know mm-hmm. it. And I know how you know how that goes. Um, but then also, you know, think through what are some great experiences that we can take advantage of with some of that money. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, um, before the pandemic, which kind of pushed pause on everyone's lives in a lot of different ways, our family had made the um, pivot to stop doing presents at Christmas and start doing some big family experience instead. Um, because we love to travel together and try new things and see new things. and. Um, I know with 100% certainty that if I were to pull the Hicks family, travel would be at the very top of the list (laughs) when it comes to available resources. But the other thing I know we would want to do is take a portion of that money and put it right into our community here in Houston. Mm -hmm. Um, We love volunteering. We work with veteran families here and refugees here. And um, it's so important to be able to give back to your community and having the resources to be able to do that would be really incredible. Absolutely. So before I get into how people can find Godspot and find you, how you talked about this a little bit, but what are some tips that you would give parents when they're trying to teach their kids about financing credit? A couple of things. One is there is a nonprofit called Junior Achievement. They try really hard to put their curriculum in schools. A lot of the schools in Texas have it, but I I know from friends of ours who are parents in other places that not everyone has it, but they have a curriculum that goes K through six, and each year, it's an age-appropriate lesson on financial literacy and business and how communities work. It has been so valuable in um, helping our son understand those things. Like he, he understands how a bank works. He understands how credit works. He understands how small businesses help a tax base in a community. And he understands, you know, basically why voting is important in local elections, all from that junior achievement curriculum. Wow. And it's meant to be taught in, in classrooms, but it's free for any parent who goes to their website to use that as a tool with your own kids. And there are paper materials, but there are also web-based materials. So that has been the richest resource for my kids as they've been little. And then, and now with my son in middle school, the junior achievement curriculum really doesn't extend past that. But what we've started doing is talking through with him how our checking accounts work and how credit works. And um, he he's saving for a couple of, of you know goal things that he wants and helping him understand the trade-offs when you choose to buy something that may mean you can't buy something else. And so I think, you know, there are great resources out there for education, but it's also just an ongoing conversation with our kids about, you know, money and wise fiscal choices and um, saving and all of those different things. Um, Even just helping our kids understand how far a dollar goes, right? I'll I'll sometimes let my uh, son work our, his way through the grocery list with me so that he knows how much milk costs and how much bread costs and how much that notebook paper he likes to use so much of to draw anime <laughs> costs. Um, grounding our kids in, um, in what things cost is so important. 
Um, not, not only because they're going to be grownups one day and have to use that shopping list, but also so they can understand why, um, the big things they spend money on are a privilege. Mm-hmm. Right? I grew up in a really modest household. So did my husband. Um, we talked to our son about how going to the movies and getting popcorn and getting a big Slurpee and all those things are a privilege that not everyone can afford. And when he wants to plan play dates with his friends, he has to think about how he can make sure any friends who wants to come can participate. And you do that by helping him understand what it costs for them to be able to come to him, things with him. Wow. I really love that perspective. I'm, I'm going to steal that from you <laughs> for my own daughter. Um, Cause I do think, you know, our kids have access to so much these days. It's really important to figure out those points that we can connect with them on and impart these lessons in ways that are organic and make sense with the lifestyles that they live and that we live. Yes. Yes, exactly. And, you know, um, we met in Houston, so you know, it's one of the most diverse cities in the country, if not the most diverse, which I love. I love that my son has grown up in a school where there are 90 languages spoken and, you know, 30 religions. And I, I love he gets to see all of the different dimensions of humanity, but I think it's really important for him to also understand the socioeconomic dimension of humanity. And I love that his friends, some of them are very wealthy and some of them come from very modest households. And I love we were having this conversation at the end of the summer. He wanted to have an activity with a lot of his friends because some of them weren't going to the same middle school. Mm. And I, you know, he sat down and he said, okay, I want to go see this movie with my friends. And if we go on Tuesday, it's $5 tickets and dollar popcorn. So that will be cheaper. So we should go see on a Tuesday. That mm. way I don't have to worry about this friend being able to come. And I love that he's thinking about that. Wow. I think that's really important. That, that is, you're, you're definitely doing it right. So I have really loved our conversation today, um, but also I'd love for people to find you at Godspot, particularly to learn more about your platform and maybe some of our listeners have a space or they're looking for a space. So how do people find you? What's the easiest way? Um, so you can find me on my website. It is www.gotspotinc.com. And then I'm Got Spot Inc. on every social channel. Um, those are the easiest way to find me. You can find me, Rita Hicks, on LinkedIn. I'm just RM Hicks. Um, and I love connecting with people. So very happy to chat with anybody about what we talked about today or about Got Spot. Um, one bright spot in the pandemic for my business is that we actually got... Um, through a pitch competition, a grant to build a beautiful new platform that just launched earlier this year. It's powered by Google Maps. So anybody who has space anywhere in the country um, and wants to see more use out of it by other businesses can use my platform as a tool. And you can reach out to me to learn more about that. Very exciting. Yeah, that is very exciting. Well, Rita, thank you so much for your time today. Is there anything else, any last words you wanna impart with our audience? Um, I'm so happy that you invited me to be here today. I've loved our conversation and I love that you're creating a platform for people to talk about, you know, here are the challenges of making sure our financial house is in order and here's how we help the next generation do it smarter than we did. 
So um, looking forward to hearing, hearing more from this podcast on all of these topics. And I'm so glad I got to spend some time with you today. Likewise, same here. Well, thank you. And thank you to our listeners for coming back for another week of Giving Credit, the podcast where we give credit where it's due to those who are really innovating and helping make a difference for the next generation. I'll be back again next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Kitty Credit, a mobile app designed to educate children on the credit system by completing chores. Now available in the App Store and on Google Play. For more information, go to kittycredit.com. K-I-D-D-I-E-K-R-E-D-I-T dot com. <laughs>